Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of She Se Puede podcast. I'm your host, Britt, and today we have very special guest, Amber. Hi, Amber. Hi, Britt. And today we are going to uh, be talking about Amber's story, her, you know, professional journey, how she got there, um, kind of like her background. And hopefully um, for whoever's listening, maybe her story can be a sort of inspiration for one of you guys. Um, Yeah. So first, uh, Amber's just going to tell us a little bit about herself, who she is, what she does, um, just a little bit out of background, and then we'll dive into the questions. Sure. Awesome. So hi, my name is Amber Michelle Gonzalez Vargas. I am the daughter of Marco Gonzalez and Silvia Vargas two uh, immigrants from the beautiful country of Peru. I was born in the Bay Area, but raised in the Central Valley in Stockton, California. I came back to the Bay to go to school um, at UC Berkeley. And that's kind of where I have stayed and been for the last almost 10 years, I think, since I went to Cal. So I currently am the senior program manager at the Latino Community Foundation, where I am helping lead our Latino Giving Circle Network, which is the largest Latino donor network in the country right now. Oh, everybody check out LCF and make sure to attend their giving circles. <laughs> yes, we have 23 giving circles uh, right now across the state of California. 500 members distributed across the state, different, it's cross-sector, it's multi-generational, um, it's predominantly Latinx or Latino, but definitely definitely not limited just to the Latinx community. Awesome. And, well, I mean, you did tell us, you know, what you're doing professionally, um, but what do you consider kind of your professional identity to be? It's kind of a multi-layered question, but in your opinion. Yeah, you know what? When I think about that, the, I just one word comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I actually um, was at a at a uh, maker's fair the like maybe a month or two ago, and I found these big hoop earrings, and they said Guerrera on them, mm-hmm. and I was like, "That is who I am." <laughs> <laughs> so for me, honestly, uh, that's the word that comes to mind in every aspect of my life is mm-hmm. Guerrera, both in my professional identity and also in my personal identity, and I and what that means for me is really being a fighter, uh, an advocate for myself, an advocate for my family, and an advocate for my community. Yeah, wow, that is awesome. How has your identity, um, being a Latina, um, affected your professional life? Um, And has it ever kind of affected your advancement professionally? You know what? I think that I'm in a very uh, special place right now Mm -hmm. working at the Latino Community Foundation. When I started at the foundation, it was a team of five uh, badass women. (laughs) And we've since grown and our team has diversified. But what hasn't changed is being rooted in my self-worth and in, and being able to show up as my full self every day mm-hmm. that I walk into that office. And I, and I find that extremely special. I recognize that that is unique and that experience is unique, um, not, just, not just in my sector, but across all sectors, right? Where I think that uh, that really is what's kind of shaping my personal mission is to try and help others feel like 
they can show up as their full selves every day that they go to work. Yeah. Cause I feel like sometimes that's difficult in like a certain work environment. Like you almost sometimes feel like you have to put up a front or, you know, change the way you maybe like speak to them some ways. Yeah. And I, it, that's hard. It's kind of like you have to be two people, one at work, one at home. Yes. And I think what you're speaking to is so true. And especially in regards to like code switching and maybe not even, um, not bringing all aspects of yourself into whatever space that's your that you're in. You know, I used to mm-hmm. say before that that the Amber that grew up that's like super peruana and super proud to be Latina didn't necessarily always go didn't necessarily go to Cal, right? Because I think when I was in school, mm-hmm. a majority of my friends it just happened to be you know Vietnamese. Korean, Chinese, and that was just a product also of um, the friendships that I had gone in, got into my university with, but also the ones that I fostered within the within who was the majority of um, of students and in, in the school. Yeah, definitely. And then when is it when you got into uh, Latino Community Foundation when that kind that kind that shift kind of changed? Kind of. I think what's what you're bringing out for me right now is also kind of my journey into philanthropy. Mm. You know, I really don't think that most people wake up and they're like, I'm going to work in philanthropy and I want to work at a foundation. I think that's the case for most people that I work with uh, at the Latino community foundation. Uh, And for me, it definitely was not where I thought I would end up. When I went Mm -hmm. to UC Berkeley, I majored in political economy and French with a minor in global poverty and practice. And that was with the full intention of doing international development after I graduated from college. So like many people in my major, my goals were to, you know, do a Fulbright after graduation or join the Peace Corps um, Mm -hmm. and eventually land a job as an ambassador or maybe, you know, with the World Bank or with the United Nations or UNESCO. And and I had, you know, intentionally prepared this undergraduate curriculum for myself so that I could, you know, launch that career. But what shifted for me was a Black Lives Matter protest that happened right before I graduated college. Wow. So again, I was looking into the Fulbrights, the Peace Corps, um, really looking for those, op- looking into those opportunities when this protest happened. At the time, I had been the student office manager of the Leadership Center on campus. And so we worked with different organizations on campus, also fraternities and sororities, the cooperatives. And I remember... Um, at this particular protest, it was, it was life changing, not just what happened that day. Uh, but it really was the aftermath and the conversations that I had with my colleagues, with my supervisors, with my professors about what this, uh, the protest really meant as it related to our identity mm-hmm. and also to the different, uh, s- systemic problems that existed that existed in my life that I hadn't noticed uh, because I had, you know, having been born and raised by immigrant parents, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, education was salvation. And so for us, our main, like as a family, they were like, okay, you do good in school. You know, you get into a good college, you do good, you do good in college and you get a good job and like, that's it. Mm -hmm. And so my head had been like, I had been, I had been head down, so focused on school. 
uh, as a as a child, as a high school student, as an undergraduate student, that I hadn't seen all the different times in my life where my mother actually had made sure that I stayed on the right path. Mm-hmm. Whether that was advocating for me to be in a different classroom with a better teacher or that was advocating for me with the school administrators to make sure that I didn't get changed to a new school just because they changed the district lines. Mm. And so my mom had done this, you know, as an as my advocate, but I hadn't noticed because I, I was just focusing on doing good in school. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, when this was sort of really, this opened up um, really a look back for me into my life, Mm-hmm. And also made me realize that, wow, I've had all these privileges now up until this point, in part thanks to my mother. Mm-hmm. But also now, what can I do to help others feel as fulfilled as I now feel today? Mm-hmm. But also start to change the systemic problems that exist in, in, in our communities, in particular for people of color. Mm-hmm. And so... But then I was lost because I was like, I have not, I, <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm, I'm finishing five years of college and I have no idea what I'm going to do now because yeah. I, I said, how can I, how can I go somewhere else in the world? If like thinking I'm going to go somewhere else and, and, uh, make an impact there when my community around me is struggling mm-hmm. and needs me now. And so I had a deep discussion with so many of my mentors and I was like, I don't know what to do. And I think that might be reflective of so many different people that mm-hmm. are about to graduate from yeah. college or, or trying to figure out what they're going to major in and when they're, in, when they're in high school and are about to go off into undergrad. And, and I felt lost. Um, but what my North star was and kind of what was really centering for me was being rooted in my identity. Mm-hmm. And I was, so I asked myself the question, I said, okay, Amber, like, what is the identity that you feel the most powerful and the most strong in right now mm-hmm. today? And that was being Latina. Mm-hmm. That was being Peruana. That was that was being extremely proud of living and acting in that identity that I said, okay, that's going to be my focus. Mm-hmm. And so I created a mission statement for myself right before I was graduating from college. And I think I put it... I, it might even still be my Twitter handle. <laughs> um, it was like, I am on a mission to like leverage Latino millennial talent towards social justice, mm. something to that effect. Yeah. Then that was like, that was my tagline for everything. Yeah. Um, again, still didn't know what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ends up happening is I did a LinkedIn search. Uh, and again, I still don't know what I'm looking for, but I type in multicultural. I type in diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I type in Latino, Latinx. I'm just, I'm trying to find something. Yeah. And I actually came across the multicultural marketing manager at Google. Uh, so that's one of the titles that came up when I typed in multicultural. Mm-hmm. And I saw her title and I saw her face and I was like, she seems really nice. Um, her job sounds awesome. How do I do that? (laughs) And so I actually, I sent a cold email to her and I was like, Hey, my name is Amber. I'm about to graduate from college. You don't know me. You seem awesome. Uh, can we talk? Yeah. I would love to just have like 15 minutes of your time. Mm -hmm. And 
about two or three months after that email is sent where we were actually able to meet one-on-one and that really is kind of what led me into um led me where i am today was Mm -hmm. one being bold enough to send that email and two, her willingness to lift as she was rising and actually meet with me and and Mm -hmm. have this one-on-one with me I'll never forget that in that in the short time that we had, the first thing that she said was, "She's like, what do you need? How can I help you?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, no one's ever <laughs> asked me that." I, I was like, "I don't know what I need." And I was like, and, "And so I was like, I need a job." Yeah. And she's like, "Okay, we'll do this. You follow everything that I'm like that I'm following on Twitter and on Facebook that seems interesting to you, like all the foundations, all the jobs, mm-hmm. and if any of those places that you are interested in are." hiring and i can make a recommendation i'll do it wow so i said okay um and about a year later that became the uh opportunity came up with the latino community foundation to become the executive assistant of their newest ceo and so when i applied for that job i i emailed her i had kept in contact Mm -hmm. right with her throughout the year yeah yeah i had been like hey just graduated from college hey i just wrote this op-ed <laughs> <laughs> and kind of keeping her abreast of my work yeah just um, so you don't lose touch so mm-hmm. we didn't lose touch and then uh, when i applied for this job i was like hey it's me again applied for the job at this foundation can you connect me with somebody there mm-hmm. eventually um i get an interview with the CEO, I get an interview with the VPs, I do all the rounds and I end up getting the job. And for me, you know, I don't think I was necessarily looking for something that was that was that Latino focused as where I work today. Um, But I'm so happy that I landed here. Mm -hmm. Because like I was saying earlier, when you're at when you're in a space, wherever that is, but there is a culture created where you can show up as your full self every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, that is powerful and that is life changing because then you have the space to inspire and inform people in the best way possible. And then nothing has a limit mm-hmm. because you can accomplish anything because all of a sudden your dreams become possible. And that for me is extremely important for anybody. Yeah. Wow. I feel like so many stories I've been hearing is like, it's simply, you know, sending an email, talking to someone in a coffee shop that you overheard or just little things, um, little, you know, ways of meeting people can really turn into like your future almost in a way. And it's just funny because you wouldn't think like, oh, me messaging this girl, this woman on LinkedIn is going to get me a job a year later. Like, you know, it's just it's funny how things like that work. But it's super important to just put yourself out there. Yes. Yeah. And and this is how we build our network. I think that's one of the, the other things, too. Like, I don't I didn't have family members that were working at Google. I don't ha- I don't have family members that are working at Google. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I don't have family members um, that are necessarily working in spaces right now that I would necessarily go into. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for so many of us and even with my cousins that are in in jobs that I would maybe potentially be interested in, like we're all still first, you know, we're, we're the first ones that are doing that for our respective families. Mm-hmm. So we're still figuring everything out. And so that's what I value so much with 
um, with making these connections is when there's the willingness to also support others that, Mm -hmm. you know, that are also trying to find their way. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you did touch up on this, um, but, you know, did your parents or your family have any expectations for you? Um, Like it could be obviously academically, you said college, but professionally as well. Yeah, so college was never if, it was about where. (laughs) (laughs) So my parents were always like, all right, so you're going to college. Um, And so uh, I really, I really value that though. I think for me, it was so, uh, college and studying was always made exciting. Like my mom was the kind of person, she's like, all right, kids, we're going to put on the fireplace tonight. I'm going to make hot chocolate and we're going to read a book. And we're like, yeah. She would make it like an experience for us because she's like, this is fun. And and she would sit down and do homework with us. Uh, She would, she would do her own thing and, and she made it an experience. As for, I think, professional expectations, I was really fortunate to have parents that were extremely uplifting and extremely ego boosting (laughs) my parents were like (laughs) you can do anything and so I grew I grew up genuinely believing I could do anything yeah like I've never been scared of making a change in my career or you know choosing something that like going into philanthropy that wasn't necessarily a job we've ever talked about as a family Mm -hmm. Um, because I felt so confident that as long as I had a, you know, a good head on my shoulders and that I was focusing on something that was rooted in my values, Mm -hmm. that I was going to be okay. And that I was going to be able to push forward, um, my career. And I think that what's been exciting about this position in particular was that I feel that as I have continued to find myself liberated in the work that I do because I've been able to share my story more because I've been able to interact with so many amazing people. Mm -hmm. Um, In doing so, I feel like I'm doing the same for my parents and helping liberate them and make them feel proud of their story as well. Mm -hmm. And that for me is like the biggest win. Like this could be like, you know, I could leave this job tomorrow, but the fact that the the impact that I feel like it's had on my family so far, in, in mm-hmm. particular to them, who means so much to me, yeah, um, that's everything. Yeah, well, because I mean, you are a part of their story, you know, because you they came, you know, to this country. Obviously, I would assume to give you more opportunity and you know, kind of you know, change your experiences compared to the ones they might have had. So kind of changing the tone a bit, uh, <laughs> have you ever experienced uh, discrimination because of your identity? Either um, it could be in any environment, like professionally, in school, or just in your personal life. Yeah, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind was, and this is probably the first experience that was very in my face. Mm. I'm a very proud person. Like I'm a Leo. <laughs> like my, I'm extremely proud. Yeah. And um, I was a senior in high school. Um, this is kind of like pre everything, but mm-hmm. this one, this one has it re- stayed with it, you. It stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the president of my Interact Club, and uh, it's a community service organization. And I was extremely proud to be the president for like two or three years, and. I was at this um, 
asparagus festival that <laughs> Central Valley. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I was at an asparagus festival that we that we helped host every year, mm -hmm. and the wife of my advisor uh, for the club, she came up to me and one of my friends. We were both Latinas uh, that were about seniors in high school, and she was she started asking us about college and she's like are you all going to like apply for college like what are your thoughts and we're like oh yeah we're, mm -hmm. we're applying so we're, we're sharing we're sharing you know yeah. our excitement and and she's like where are you gonna apply and i said oh i said well i'm applying to you know stanford uc berkeley um my mom wants me to apply to harvard so i'll do that for her <laughs> i'm thinking like princeton so i'm telling her all these things right yeah. and she and she like she stops me and she's like oh but sweetie you know you have to have good grades for that and I was okay. like, oh. and I, and I see my friend and she's like, she's holding her phone in her hand and she's squeezing it. Cause she's like, she's so upset. Yeah. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, what is, I'm, and I'm, I just, I've never heard anybody say anything to me like that before because yeah. I can do anything, yeah. you know? And, and how I, is she supposed to know your grades? Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. And so I remember her telling me that and I, and I look over at my friend and she's furious and I don't, I have no idea what she's going to do. And I look back at this woman and I said, actually I do. That's why I'm one of the top students at my high school. Um, and so I, and, but it felt so odd to have to validate myself as, mm -hmm. a, as a person and as a student in her eyes and, and her tone changed after like I shared all of the different things that I had been able to accomplish. But I remember going home and I said, mom, this happened and I, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And, and we, ha that was the first time her and I had ever had a conversation around discrimination mm -hmm. and what that meant. Uh, it was also very significant because I mentioned before that I live, I was born in the Bay area and I lived here until I lived in the Bay area until I was six years old before we moved into be before we moved to Stockton. And, mm -hmm. and the Bay area is, is different in the sense that there's, there's more Peruvian people here. There's Colombians. It's like, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more mixed. The, the, the Latino community is a little bit more mixed mm -hmm. here. I'm in the Central Valley. Most of my friends that were Latinos were Mexican. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I remember early on being treated differently when I said my family was from Peru because it was a weird dynamic with, because Stockton and the Central Valley is such a large agricultural community, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the Mexican community and Filipino community are farm workers out in that region. And so it was it was a weird, it was a weird dual identity mm -hmm. to grow up in and to be treated a little bit differently sometimes with some people yeah. when I said that I was Peruvian yeah. because all of a sudden the reaction was like, oh my gosh, Machu Picchu. <laughs> I love Peruvian food. I was just there on vacation for two weeks. Yeah. And it was so interesting to, to be treated a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, that also actually opened a line of uh, a line of dialogue with my parents about their experience with discrimination mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and how protective they had been for us and for my brother and I to make sure that we were as we were not as exposed. We weren't so that we weren't exposed to it, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so they were that I think that was the beginning of me noticing, like, how much my parents had shielded me from it. Mm -hmm. Um 
you know, because Stockton actually this year was named as the most diverse city in the country. I actually heard that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, my best, my, my best friend uh, is Vietnamese, you mm-hmm. know, and I grew up with like my friends were Filipino, Vietnamese, Japanese, Mexican. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had people, we had folks from Korea in our school, like India. We had so many different mixed yeah. backgrounds, you know, Hmong, like it was so, um, there was so many different folks that we weren't aware i think of like you know just like the differences yeah, yeah. i get it like it was your normal mm-hmm. and, until you kind of like you know got older or, or left or traveled and then you realize oh that's not normal for everybody mm-hmm. yeah i feel like that in the bay area as well like i think we're like you know we go to school and there's people with all different Absolutely. types of cultures and then you know you we travel to other parts of the states or the south and you're like oh like it is not like that everywhere <laughs> yes Yes, not at all. And I think that it's a it's a bubble that I try to remind myself of mm-hmm. um, because, you know, in the workspace now, like philanthropy is not diverse, not really. Mm-hmm. The Latino Community Foundation, you know, like and I think that our, some of our partners like, yes, it 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 if we kind of keep it there, then it's like, oh, wow, it's it's, it's young and there's so many people with different backgrounds mm-hmm. and you know, that identify, that had different identities. And that's really amazing. But when we look at the bigger, like, if we, if we look at the big lens of philanthropy, it's not diverse. Mm. And that's the, that's what I, for me, it's like my, my vision and my hope is that we continue to change that because we're the ones that are, we should also be driving philanthropy in a way that makes sense and that's actually serving, you know, the majority of the people that live in this state in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're in a state like California where 54% of school age children are are Latinx, like that is extremely important for everybody, not just the philanthropic sector, but everybody mm-hmm. needs to be paying attention to this because you know, the work that we're doing at the foundation that I'm at um, is extremely relevant because it's it's a California issue. Mm-hmm. Everything in this state is a California issue when you have such a large yeah. population um, that is Latinx. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you, so you work with uh, organizations um, that, you know, either try to like lift up the Latinx community. Is it like professionally or is it academics? That's a great question. So mm-hmm. it honestly, it's it's everything. Mm-hmm. So what LCF does, our mission is to unleash the power of Latinos in California. Mm-hmm. And for us, the one of the ways that we do that is by investing in, in Latino-led nonprofits across okay. the state. Mm-hmm. And there's a purpose for that. The reason why we're, we're looking for these, you know, grassroots organizations is because we recognize that the leaders that are, that are at the forefront of those organizations, most of them were raised in the communities that they're serving mm-hmm. but they're also rep- like they're they also represent the people that make up the community and that's extremely important mm-hmm. as we start to think about what real change means um you know it's not enough to be having a big impact but it's also how you're inspiring the people in the communities that you're leading mm-hmm. to want to you know either follow the things that are being created by your organization, mm-hmm. but also to, to become leaders themselves and to see themselves as future leaders in the community. And 
that's honestly for us why it's so important to invest specifically in these organizations. Also, you know, these are the organizations because they're so small that get the least amount of funding from phil- from from the philanthropic sector. Mm-hmm. Right now, nationwide, less than 1.1% of philanthropic dollars go to Latino-led nonprofits. Wow. And that number dropped from 1.4% a couple years ago. So we're not doing much better. Yeah. You know, and so I think when we're thinking about something like the Latino Giving Circle Network that I help manage, um, we're trying to change also what donors look like. Mm-hmm. You know, the Latinx community has always been philanthropic. Like, you know, when you think about it, it's, it's I think philanthropy is such a wonky word. It's like, oh, I'm a philanthropist. And, <laughs> and most, most I don't think most people would be like, I'm a philanthropist. And yeah. If I'm being if I'm being honest, like when I when I first would think of philanthropy and philanthropists, like I would think of people like Bill Gates, like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, pale male rich, yeah, rich, yeah. <laughs> like folks that have billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you take a when you really think about the word philanthropy, what that means and giving back Latinos have always been philanthropists. You know, we give back to the church. We give back in remittances. Mm -hmm. We give back to each other. You know, when, when somebody in your family needs something, the family comes together and you figure out a way you just do it and you help out. And philanthropy and giving back is, is so embedded into who we are as a people I think we just, we've never called it that because it's just something you do. Mm. And so what we're trying to do is partially like help reclaim that word for the Latino community, mm-hmm. but also again, change the face of, of what we think of as a philanthropist Yeah, because anybody can be a philanthropist. Yeah. That's you true. are a philanthropist, Britt. <laughs> I am a philanthropist. We are all philanthropists. We are all philanthropists. <laughs> and well, obviously LCF is doing um, great work and, you know, helping supporting, um, you know, nonprofits, promoting their success. Um, what do you feel were the main things that help support you in achieving success, like professionally or just, you know, growing as a person? I think for me, Sylvia Vargas is the number one, my mom. <laughs> um. My mom has been my champion, my mentor, my advocate, you know, my confidant since day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's funny because I, I feel like I don't speak about her that often when I, when I have like speaking engagements. Yeah. Um, because now's your time to shine. Yeah, now, <laughs> this is your time, mom. Uh, because, you know, she is me. I am her. Like, I, and she's the one that makes me feel like I can do anything. She, she has been, she has been my North star. She is the, like we, I call her a poet. My mom's, my mom's a poet. Um, she's always, you know, throwing these like dichos, these sayings to my brother and I about life and, yeah. you know, morality and what our compass should be and she's she's a phenomenal extremely smart person who's given up so much for us but my my mom is definitely like my number one Mm -hmm. everything um and i've been very fortunate in my life to have different i guess matriarchs Mm -hmm. in my life that have helped guide me Mm-hmm. You know, I immediately when you asked that question, I thought of, you know, Miss Mallet Jones, the woman in fourth grade who helped me find my voice 
by helping teach me. Um, I I won an oral interpretation contest. Who has that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Stockton Unified School District back in 2000, whenever um, we had an oral interpretation contest, and I ended up winning my school level. And she became my coach after that, and oh, wow. I ended up winning the district level that year. And it was because of her, but she helped me find my. I was extremely shy. Like I would get red when my when yeah. the teacher would call on me and. She helped me find my voice. Um, Madame Lopez Grohl, she was my French teacher throughout all of high school, mm-hmm. and she showed me the world. She uh, she had been a she had been a lawyer in Paris. She had opened a practice in Tahiti, and somehow ended up becoming a French teacher in Southern California. <laughs> and she helped me realize that that I could do anything and go anywhere and still thrive and be happy. And then I would say now it's partially like the women that are LCF that are at LCF that are helping me do that as well. Like I always say that when I said yes to the job um, at LCF, I said yes to Jacqueline Martinez Garcelle, our CEO, before I said yes to the job. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting down with her and, you know, sitting similar to the way that you and I are sitting right now, you know, across from each other, looking at each other, just smiling, really excited. Yeah. and I remember in that moment, um, and just to remind you, in that moment, I was a recent, I was, well, a year out, but like a recent graduate still from, mm-hmm. from college and trying to find my way and, and not knowing if an executive assistant role was really going to make me happy. Yeah. Because, you know, I feel like those those roles, they can either be like Devil Wears Prada. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, like you're the, at a desk all damn exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it could be like really awful or it could have been really great. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was um, when I sat down with her and I saw her, I said, okay, this person's going to be my cheerleader, my advocate. And they're going to help me grow. And I'm going to learn from them because they're already an amazing leader. And that's how I'm going to get to where I want to be. Again, still don't know what that I want to be is, but (laughs) it was going to help me get there. Yeah. You know, and I think it's the same thing with Masha Cherniak, who's the vice president of of our foundation, um, who's constantly telling us to do what makes us happy and to lead with our hearts. And I think that, what all of these different women in my life have really shown me has been that at the end of the day, like we need to be true to ourselves Mm -hmm. um, in order to feel liberated and that we also need to lead with our hearts and with our values. And for me, that is so important. And I'm so thankful because they are the ones that are helping me and that have been my support system and my backbone and inspire me to do the same for others as well. Yeah. Because I know that I could have, I could not have gotten here without their support, without their love and their encouragement. And my dream is to do that for other young Latinas as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've had kind of these, you know, powerful, empowering mentors your whole life, starting with your mom. And then all the way up to where you are now. And I think it's mentoring is just so important and just kind of like helping one another out. Storytelling, like just sharing each other's stories. And it's I feel like that's how we really learn. Um, And so, I mean, you kind of just said it, but do you currently mentor um, younger Latina women or do you plan to in the future? Yes, I feel like I do. No, I have I have a couple of like official mentees that I have in my life. Um, and it's so funny because 
I remember when I would find mentors myself sometimes they were ones that I, I chose and sometimes they chose me mm. and when it was the case that they chose me I would be like oh my god that's so cool why did you choose me <laughs> um and now I get it because now I meet like these young women and I'm like oh my gosh please let me mentor you like yeah. you're so amazing you have this light about you like please let me have some sort of like influence or guidance in your life mm -hmm. um so i try and do that as much as possible yeah you know whether it's in a formal way like whenever i do speaking engagements i kid you not like i usually end and i said feel free to use me as a resource add me on linkedin yeah. text me if you want and i will say and maybe this can be like a call to action <laughs> <laughs> to all of the listeners uh please take advantage mm -hmm. i do this at every talk and like now you know i've probably spoken to maybe like over a thousand probably yeah definitely over a thousand people now at this point mm -hmm. um and i can tell you that probably five people have ever followed up with me yeah right and so and not and not to say like i like like i'm the best person to connect <laughs> with and yeah. that's not necessarily what i'm trying to say but i i feel like so many times people feel like oh what if i don't have the right question or mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. like oh maybe like you know it's not gonna be the right fit but i there's so much value that at least personally i have gained from putting myself out there and asking questions mm -hmm. that i challenge everyone that's listening that when somebody offers to help just take them up on that offer you yeah. never know what'll happen mm -hmm. you never know um and that's really where we're able to to find exciting and different and new new opportunities um because if someone's offering it's usually because they really want to help you know and so that for me is is extremely uh, it's, it's extremely important and it's fun and you get to meet new people yeah i feel and i feel like it's kind of maybe people get intimidated with that like i don't know should i reach out or da, 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 da. but like you said if they're offering it's not because they're just saying it to say it it's mm -hmm. like because they want to help yeah and it's like i it feels good to give help and it feels good to get help yes yes and i think the best thing too is to remember that at the end of the day we're all just people mm -hmm. and the worst that we can say is no Yes. Like, I'm sorry, I don't have time or no, I can't. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And then you say, all right, thank you. And you move on to the next person. Yeah. Like it's totally fine. I think, um, just put yourself out there. Yeah. I could not agree more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so kind of wrapping it up, um, do you feel, so once again, all the listeners who are listening know this quite every time I ask this question, everyone's mm -hmm. like, Whoa, <laughs> that's heavy, yeah. but that wasn't on the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you feel that you're creating change for Latinas in the workforce specifically in, you know, the United States Bay area? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, I do. Mm -hmm. I do think so. Uh, I, I feel like part of the reason is because, I do have intentionality mm -hmm. behind it. Uh, a big part of it's also the sector and the specific place that I work in. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I see it all the time when I go to these events. I think that just you, you've you got to see it to believe it. Yeah. And I think that I hope everyone you've asked before me and everyone you ask after me, uh, 
that they all say yes, because Mm -hmm. regardless, you know, who we are as professional Latinas and how we exist, Mm -hmm. we are influencing the next generation, period. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, right now, as leaders, like we're still building and we're still growing Right now, there's still, unfortunately, there's still so many positions and spaces that we are going to be the first in, Mm -hmm. period. Yeah. And while that is unfortunate, it's also an opportunity for every single one of us. Mm -hmm. So regardless of where you are, whether that means that you're the first person in your family that's going to college, you're the first person in your family that's graduating high school, you're the first person in your family that's taken a flight internationally, you're the first person in your family to buy a house, you're the first person in your family to do anything, Like you are a leader that's influencing Latinas, Latinos and the Latinx community at large because uh, there's still so much space for us to continue to grow and to thrive. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Wow. I could not think of a better way to end this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Amber, for coming. Everyone, this is Amber Gonzalez Vargas. Um, And yeah, and check out our next episode of She Se Puede podcast.